You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and I'm delighted to be sitting across from Cathy Murphy at the Irish Canadian Immigration Centre. Cathy, great to be here, and thanks a million for taking a bit of time and allowing me to come visit. Nice to see you again. Um, it's been a while since we got a good catch up, and I know a lot has happened because I think. It might even have been pre-COVID before we really got touch base. And I know COVID then, I know we talked a little, but that was at a time when things were stressful from the point of view of people trying to get home, people trying to find their feet and the challenges that were there. While COVID hasn't gone away, things have changed radically. Uh, Borders have opened, flights are back and, and people are moving. And I understand you're probably seeing more now than you were ever seeing. I would venture that our numbers are nearly as high as they were the first year we opened. And that's back in 2012 when people were coming for economic reasons, mm-hmm. um, when Ireland was still recovering from the economic crash. And, the, you know, there was a little dip in 2015. We were still, you know, things are rolling along here. but. Post-COVID, I, it feels like the, the good old years when the phone was always ringing and people were always coming through the door. One of the things I'm really curious about is you talked 2012 and you talked about people were coming for economic reasons. I think most people emigrate for economic reasons of one sort or another, but has the profile of the traveller, and I won't use emigrant, because in many cases some of these people are come, our kids are they're coming for experience and have no intention of staying, and they get the bug and they do step, but would you say, has the profile of the traveller changed? It definitely has since 2012, but I would say that that changed in and around 2015-2016. So for the most part, the, the young people we're seeing, and most of our clients are young, most are 18 to 35. We do get some families in their 40s. Um, but most are coming because they want um, that experience of living abroad. Um, yes, they are having trouble getting housing in Ireland. Yes, some do say to us that they don't see the opportunities of the same. But most are coming because they have a choice. Mm-hmm. And that is different from 2012 when people were coming because they had no choice at all. Mm-hmm. It, it is right now, it's a privilege to go abroad and have this experience on the two-year working holiday. And the profile, while that might be the reason on the profile, the profile of the individuals themselves, uh, are we looking at um, university students, are we looking at um, high school students who haven't yet figured out kind of doing their transition year, are we looking at those that have already got work experience, or are we looking at the whole lot? You're looking at the whole lot. You absolutely nailed it. In the summer, we're getting the kids who have either just completed their leaving certs or they are in college and they just want a summer out. They're using that two-year working holiday as the old J-1 for the U.S. Mm -hmm. You can't get that really anymore. It's much harder to get it. So they're using it. Bit of a waste of the two-year working holiday permit from our perspective. But So we get them from May till August. But the rest of the year, we're getting um, young graduates. So they've, either, um, they've finished either their trade certificates from the professional trades or they finished university. Uh, some of them have two or three years of work experience, and some are coming out you know, a month after they graduate. I know it has been a problem over the years and probably continues to be that <coughs> the biggest challenge you are probably confronted with is that a lot of new arrivals haven't taken the time to adequately research where they're coming to 
and the challenges that they're going to walk into when they get off the plane, be it um, credentialing, accommodation, healthcare, um, government regulations, all these kind of things. Accommodation is very challenging. Across the country, Toronto and Vancouver especially, the, it's not just the price of accommodation, which is, is very difficult for everybody. It's the fact that they don't have either jobs in Canada lined up yet uh, or their Canadian credit history, which of course they can't get till they've been here for mm -hmm. several months. So that is the first thing that they're stymied by. The second thing is the Canadian labor market. There are lots of jobs out there. We know this. Um, you know, some freezes are on. The big banks aren't hiring right now. Um, but they, a lot of them have yet to have done the research around what a Canadian resume looks like um, and what it means to network in Canada and how we all get our jobs here and how very different that is from back in mm -hmm. Ireland. Mm -hmm. I was asked um, collision earlier in the year <coughs> and there was an announcement there uh, made by the uh, Labour Minister here. Uh, and I think that was federal that if somebody arrives here on a visa, a two-year visa, um, or even on a holiday, and they're on a holiday trip, as far as I recall, they were saying that if they have particular skills that Canada requires, that their access or their visa would be expedited, even while they're on, on, the, on the ground here. I think that... Um I'm not sure I heard that exact statement, bit of a blanket statement, I suspect. That's definitely true for some industries, mm -hmm. very niche industries. Mm -hmm. They're certainly out for the IT folks and wanting to retain them. Mm -hmm. Lots of news came out over the summer about those particular work permits. Uh, not so easy for anyone else, even people who are skilled. That's yeah. just not true. No, it was very clear in that if it was what Canada is experiencing a labor shortage in, that if you have what Canada wants, um, Canada, he was saying, were willing to try to help you get settled. I wish that was uh, I wish that was ringing true for me because you know we had a, a client during the pandemic whose work permit expired and he had been working as a personal support care worker. What role did we need more of during mm -hmm. the pandemic? Mm -hmm. And they had announced this stream um, uh, temporary residence, so TR to PR. Mm -hmm. He sat in languished in that stream for nearly three years right. before he got a work permit extension or any sign of approval for the PR. Right. And his skills were so desperately needed. Right. I suspect there's very good intentions. Right. I'm sure our government is highlighting what's needed. Um, perhaps we don't have the people in the departments yet to, to expedite at the level to which we need that. Right. Um, a lot of our clients are struggling with permanent residency and work permit extensions, and they are the kind of people that Canada very much needs. So your clients, as they're coming off the plane, and coming in um, green uh, <laughs> are, 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 are they able to integrate to opportunity reasonably easily or are they finding that um, this, this, the grass is not greener on this side of the Atlantic the ones who are able to integrate seamlessly are the ones who really listening, are really listening to our messaging on networking right I mean, if you're working in a professional trade, you're walking into any job you want. We know that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the other roles in, in any aspects of business, banking, financial sector, all of that, um, insurance, if they're networking into the various chambers across the country, if they're going to industry events, if they really get what that is and they do it, they're doing well. But there are so many bless them, who come to our, uh, attend our webinar, our employment webinar, and then attend one of our in-person events that happen weekly in Toronto or Vancouver and get the same message mm -hmm. about networking, who don't hear it, 
perhaps are intimidated by it, aren't ready to hear it, and they'll come back to us six weeks later, 12 weeks later, three months later, on and on. And uh, they're struggling. The ones who grab the message right away do really well. You mentioned something that is fascinating in many ways, and that's networking. Because, you know, the Irish way of networking is you head down to the pub and you stand at the counter and you shoot the breeze. That's not the Canadian way. <laughs> it's not. Although we do tell uh, our Irish new arrivals, network into your Irish business community. Start mm-hmm. there. You will, you'll get... Um, You'll, you'll figure out how to do it, and then you'll be able to do it and move into the Canadian circles. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, if you're in Toronto, go down to P.J. O'Brien. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're in the financial sector, you should go there on a Thursday afternoon, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, yes, you're right. They've got to be going to the industry events. Um, they've got to be reaching out on LinkedIn and asking folks for coffees. They need to meet the hiring managers. And believe me, I wouldn't want to do this either. This is hard. Mm-hmm. I know that. But this is what's required to be successful here. So, basically, it's strategic networking rather than just the kind of casual that may work in Ireland. It's very strategic here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the uh, when you mentioned chambers, and I'll ask you to switch hats briefly. Um, the Irish business community uh, is it working or is it functioning cohesively to complement what you're doing on the immigration centre? We find the chambers across the country very supportive. So we signpost all our new arrivals to their local chambers if there happens to be one operating in their city. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe the chamber isn't for everyone, but for certain sectors it's really important. And they get a very warm welcome from the chambers across the country. And that is where a lot of them begin their networking. It's a soft place to land for business, and it's a place for them to test the waters in terms of networking. The other thing then, um, and you have your finger on the pulse across the country, um, there was a period there that a lot of people were heading to Vancouver. Um, has that eased off and is it, are more coming to Toronto now? Or are you starting to see also that people are filtering across to different locations? It hasn't eased off in Vancouver. We are continuing to see big, big numbers in Vancouver. Numbers are back up in Toronto and are matching the numbers in Vancouver. For a while, Vancouver was actually busier. Mm-hmm. But now, Vancouver and Toronto are back on par. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see a bit of a wake-up in Calgary again. Mm-hmm. They, you know, Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon used to be big markets for us. We even went to Fort McMurray back in, I mean, 2012, 2013. So we're starting to hear from a lot more clients in Calgary again. Mm-hmm. I was in Edmonton in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, still pretty quiet there in terms of net new arrivals. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, we're, yeah, we're starting to see other markets waking up again. I'll tell you what, we've, we've had several calls from down east from the governments um, of, of the um, eastern provinces, in particular Newfoundland, who are very interested in, in retaining workers and skilled workers right. and trying to get them to consider the east. So we certainly hope to start hearing uh, that some of our clients are considering those markets too because it may be easier to stay and gain your permanent residency outside of Ontario and British Columbia. Yeah, I have noticed a number of people uh, wanting to join the Irish and Ottawa group uh, and their reason for it is that they're planning to move to, to Ottawa and uh, so I've seen more of that also. Good. Yeah. Good, that's um, a good place for them to begin. Yeah. Um, so then uh, you, we, we talked earlier on about the demographic. You're, not, you're seeing some but not that many what would be family units coming where you'd have um, husband, wife and kids but there's some coming. We're seeing some um, some families come and we're starting to get 
get more inquiries from families back in Ireland who are looking to come and if both parents uh, happen to be over the age of 35 if there are two parents coming mm-hmm. uh, then they can't get the working holiday visa so they're mm-hmm. looking at sponsorships or permanent residency it's a tougher road mm-hmm. um, and they don't have the Canadian work experience but yes we're definitely getting those calls as well now so what would you see uh, as you look out to the next 12 months or for the remainder of this year and into next year what would you see and what advice would you give to somebody that is considering uh, Canada and uh, making the move because uh, I think Canada has certainly raised the profile of Canada has been raised in the Irish mind over the last five to ten years uh, before if you mentioned Canada if you, you, the assumption was the US mm. uh, but there is a, a much stronger awareness well you you really nailed it earlier do your research I think a lot of the ones coming who have just graduated really need to think about are they moving to Canada for lifestyle mm-hmm. or are they moving to Canada to um, move their careers forward which is it and it's whatever decision they choose that's fine mm-hmm. but they really need to understand where they want to be um, if depending on the sector you're in you need to choose your city wisely otherwise you will be disappointed in terms of opportunity so that first where do you want to be I will get calls and they'll say I'm going to move to Canada where should I go and well what do you do and what do you want? You know, mm-hmm. Who are you coming with? And if mm-hmm. you're coming with children, do you want to be in a big city? Do you want to be in a small town? What are your needs? I think they need to shape that first before mm-hmm. they book that ticket. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing is, every single one of them should take the um, career webinar. They need to understand how different things are here and mitigate those expectations before they get here. It will go better for them if they've considered those things before they get on the plane. It's tough if you get here and then you start to learn. I know in our own case, uh, I've always said that moving to Canada was not the biggest challenge. We came from rural Ireland to a city. Mm-hmm. And that oftentimes um, there's this expectation that, uh, you know, you're going to come to the land of milk and honey and you suddenly realize that uh, the ease and comfort that you had in rural Ireland doesn't exist because you predominantly come to a city and commuting and accommodation and schools and all these things that were easy and they become the challenge true um, and the other thing of course I always tell the story we arrived we took the kids out of school on a Friday we flew on Saturday we arrived on Saturday they went to school on Monday because it had been pre-arranged and my older daughter came home with a Canadian accent on Tuesday <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> well, you were prepared. <laughs> but she wanted, she wanted to integrate. But, but that's the, my, my younger daughter, um, she struggled because she was a little girl. And that's the other thing that a lot of times I think um, if you come with a family, that um, coming from rural Ireland, our two little girls were little girls and the younger of them came in and she came into a school where she was dealing with street smart city children. Um, culture shock. Culture shock. And again, I would say it's from rural to city. Yes. And often that aspect of it isn't fully grasped. We see a lot of that. Yes. yes. And, and again, things like the importance to say, oh, well, I'll play GAA. Well, you know, I was hoping I'd play rugby. Well, if I wanted to play rugby, I would have had to commute to the other end of the city. And having arrived in my mid-30s with two kids, rugby went out the door. Mm, a luxury. <laughs> yeah. So these are the kind of things, that, you know, when I would say research and all the rest, but they're the kind of things that can cause 
a lot of family disruption on arrival. So then when people are here, how long um, or to what extent the range of services do you try to provide to the clients? So uh, like that somebody arrives, be it that they are a family and they're, they're struggling. Well, how, how do you try to help those that are struggling? It depends what they're struggling with. I mean, you mentioned a family. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, you know, it might just be one or two people in that family who are struggling. Maybe it's the child who hasn't settled. Um, maybe it's the parent who hasn't gotten the job they want. Um, so it depends, you know, if it's the parent who's looking for a certain kind of job, they'll go to our career resources advisor. Um, it's the, if it's the child that you're concerned about, then they might go and speak with our national social care advisor to see what kind of tools are available to families in their local communities. What can they access that's either free or low cost to get the kids the support they need? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, as a knock-on effect, the supports that the parents might also need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, if, and the, we often are signposting people back to free resources that are available in Ireland mm-hmm. for those living abroad and mm-hmm. sometimes that's a good way in if it's your first time getting counseling uh, sometimes speaking to somebody back home for six sessions is a good introduction to the experience of counseling and then we'll help them find something local in their communities here to continue that on when it's not as intimidating and that help link provides that yes and tremendous and service and I understand as well that now there's a, a number that the Samaritans have yes. that is available in North America and in Canada as well and they are powerful uh, tools because again I can appreciate that if somebody is struggling trying to communicate with somebody who is culturally different can be a real challenge absolutely and so we're sensitive to that as we're trying to find them those those first places to go. So then during the, the year, we're now into coming into what would be the fall season and the winter. Uh, aside from the webinars, do you co- uh, coordinate or organize events that will bring people together on a networking social level at any type of regular interval? So every single Thursday we have our new arrivals coffee morning. So there's one that happens in Toronto and then one that happens in Vancouver. Okay. They happen every single week. So that's bringing new arrivals in the community together to give them the basic introductions they need to settle successfully here. Um, and then we do our permanent residency, either webinars or in-person seminars uh, throughout the year, depending on need. We don't do the networking events for business. Mm-hmm. Our job is to signpost out and to mm-hmm. show people in their local communities where they need to be going. We don't need to reinvent the wheel on no. that. That's being mm-hmm. done. Yes. Um, we just need to make sure that our clients understand how to find those resources and how to get to them. Um, and then ad hoc events as needs be. Maybe there'll be something, perhaps a fundraising event, uh, perhaps a community event that we want to piggyback on. Um, and we're, we're open and available and we, we're, we're looking for innovative ways to keep the new arrivals connected. Where can people find you? So, uh, the website, uh, irishcdn.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, especially to hear about the weekly events and, importantly, to get all of our daily tips on settling here, including our mental health and wellness programming. And the webinars that you uh, conduct, they then are available across the country. So if somebody registers, doesn't matter which end of the are, and even if they're still back in Ireland, they can tune in on those. We welcome them to tune in from Ireland. We want them to have the tools before they come. And the um, Career Resources webinar happens every single Tuesday. And when we post the registration link, we'll give it to you in the various time zones because there are six across Canada. So are you finding then that that information is being shared back in Ireland through be it DFA or some other of the organizations that are there to support the emigrant? 
Yes, if if the uh, potential immigrants are, are dialed into those um, mm-hmm. networks back in Ireland, absolutely. We do get the support, of course, from the Immigrant Support Program, and they would share uh, our work and more on their website. And a really important partner for us is CrossCare, the mm-hmm. CrossCare Diaspora Support Project. Uh, we do webinars with them on coming to Canada. And they have a blog, and they regularly feature us and some of our sister organizations across the world. And if people are dialed into them, which they should be, they will find us. Cathy, we should wrap up. It's been tremendous reconnecting with you. Thanks a million for taking the time. And brilliant to have, um, see all the work you're doing. And uh, on an ongoing basis, when I do see all the stuff that you're organizing, I know it's a powerful job. And thank you. Thank you.